Hi, my name is Allie Pierce, and you are listening to Mike Check, a movie musical review podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week's episode. This week, I get to sit down with the Queen, aka Spencer, and we have a, like a really great conversation. Actually, like this is probably one of my favorite episodes so far. But sorry it's a little late because the Queen and I have conflicting schedules, so finding a time to get together and record after we had both watched the movie was kind of tricky. So we took a little break and were able to get together a little later than we expected, but it all worked out for the best, and I think we got a really good episode out of it. So I hope you can stay the whole time, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Catch you at the end. Okay. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this week. This week's musical we are doing is The Sound of Music, and our guest this week is Spencer Asling, a.k.a. The Queen Spencer. What up? I'm the Queen. <laughs> um, I always start my podcast by introducing my guests with the story of how we met each other, um, and that's kind of a hard story to tell with Spencer because we've known each other for so long. Years. Um, <laughs> Spencer and I have been friends since... Uh, we mo- you moved in about a, sum- a year before we did, I think, but we moved here in 2006. We moved in before you? Yeah, I think so. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we moved uh, here in 2006. I was like six, you were like four then. Uh, maybe yeah. a little bit older. You were I think five. I, was, I think I was eight, maybe. You were not eight in 2006. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, and the kids in our families more or less line up in age, so we kind of started doing stuff together and... We weren't, like, ever really super close until, like, after high school, I would say, and then you came home from your mission, and we were just kind of hanging out, so now we're homies, and we go to the same church, and it's really awesome, so, but we have a 69-day snap streak today, so. (laughs) Magic moment is being celebrated I know. I'm so glad we pushed back recording so that we could put that on the podcast. You heard it here, folks. Um, and I, but yeah, now we have a really great friendship and I'm really glad you're my friend now. Me too, Allie. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you for coming and for filling out my Google Doc, <laughs> my Google you're form. Um, this week we're doing Sound of Music, like I said. Why is Sound of Music like what you picked? It's like the only musical that I know. I'm going to be straight up. Um, I'm not a huge musical guy. I... <laughs> Watched Singing in the Rain one time, and I didn't like it very much, and I haven't really take. seen many other musicals outside of that. My mom, however, loves The Sound of Music, and we watched it quite a few times growing up, so I've had a good amount of experience with it, and I think it's one that I could contribute a few thoughts to that would be somewhat coherent. So That's good. Respect to Lisa for that. Yes. Um, and yeah, how have you ever seen this show on stage i'm gonna assume not i have never i don't really see plays yeah. i'm gonna be honest yeah i've never seen this one on stage either as far as i can remember so <laughs> that's okay you don't really need to sorry i'm just kind of adjusting, adjusting chair. the chairs yep um getting crowded on my legs i right know there. um we're recording in my kitchen by the way and we normally don't record here so it might be echoey also spencer brought his bougie microphone so you're welcome for the the nice quality this time through. <laughs> if I had a night, if I had a Spotify account, I'd drop it. Yeah, I'd put it in the description, but I don't yet. So shout out to Spencer. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, okay, so we're gonna start and get into some musical facts. The 
The Broadway musical opened on November 16th of 1959 on Broadway, and it ran for about three years and closed in November of 1962. It ran on the West End about the same time and had three revival has had three revivals and national tours since then. Um, the music was obviously written by Rodgers and Hammerstein, who are very famous, and yeah. It's kind of the antithesis of Golden Age musicals. Some facts about the movie. The film release date was March 2nd of 1965. It was directed by Robert Weiss. Robert Weiss also directed um, the um, 1961 West Side Story, and he won Academy Awards for Best Director for West Side Story and for The Sound of Music. The screenplay was written by Ernest Lemon. I think is how you pronounce his name, L-E-H-M-A-N. Lemon, um, who also wrote several other mu movie musicals, including The King and I, West Side Story, and Hello, Dolly, which I love Hello, Dolly, so props to him. Like I said, the musical, the music was written by Rodgers and Hammerstein and are responsible for the masterpieces that include Carousel, South Pacific, The King and I, and Oklahoma, so they're very well known. They've also wrote Cinderella, if you guys have ever seen Cinderella the Musical. Filming dates and locations include, um, they started rehearsals on February 10th of 1964, and filming began in L.A. on March 26th of 1964, so like a month later. They shot some interior shots in L.A., and then they flew to Europe and filmed April 23rd through July of 1964, and while in Europe, they filmed in Salzburg, Austria, where most of the film was shot. And throughout Bavaria, where they took most of the out scenes. They returned back to L.A. and concluded filming on September 1st. And they shot 83 scenes over the course of five months. Which, to date, I think is the longest it's taken to shoot any of the movies that I've covered. But considering they flew back and forth from Austria and other locations, it kind of makes sense. The cost of production was $8.2 million. And it grossed $286.2 million. Um, the notable cast members from the movie include Julie Andrews as Maria Von Trapp. And if you don't know who Julie Andrews is, are you living under a rock, first of all? Facts. And um, she is a British singer and actress best known for her film roles as Mary Poppins in Mary Poppins, Queen Clarice Rinaldi in The Princess Diaries, and on, her on-stage credits include Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, Queen Guinevere in Camelot, and Victor Victoria from Victor Victoria. Christopher Plummer is Captain Von Trapp. Christopher Plummer is a stage actor and film actor. Um, off the top of my head, I really only knew him from Sound of Music, but he also appeared in several other films, including, these are ones that Wikipedia had, Barnaby Crooked Man in Babes in Toyland, which I actually love Babes in Toyland. Have you seen Babes in Toyland? Uh-uh. I kind of want to, it's a Christmas movie technically, very technically. I kind of want to do it next month, but... He plays the voice of Charles Muntz in Up, which is the bad guy. Yo, I didn't cold. know that. No way. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I did know that, actually. I feel like yeah. it's some recess in my mind I knew that. Exactly. You just brought that to He's the He's Charles Muntz, so I'm going to go watch child. Up again to see if I can recognize his voice. And then... They kind of animate him to look like him, too, now Right? That like, it. old man. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? And then he played Harlan Thrombey in Knives Out, which is... Knives Out is an incredible film. Have you Knives watched out. it? Knives Out is an incredible film. It's really, really good. I, I didn't think I would it, like but... it so much, but... Except the... Um, the detective guy. I don't... He was James Bond, right? Mm -hmm. His southern accent makes me laugh so hard. That's he, like, true. It's forces hard... the southern drawl so hard. It's hard to not... Ha with a british accent i agree yeah 
Like you kind of as, like assign an actor to a role, and then you have trouble seeing him in any other. Like Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Like he's Harry Potter. He's Harry Potter. He can't be anything else in my mind other than Harry Potter. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then he's been in over a hundred movies, so he has a lot of acting experience. He's also been in several productions of Shakespearean plays and things like that. So he's like an actor. He is not necessarily like super well known in Hollywood, but he's like very primo actor. Um, and then Eleanor Jean Parker is the Baroness. Um, I, as far as I understand, she was the only like really big Hollywood name at the time of the film. Like she was kind of the stunt cast to draw in viewers because people would recognize her name. Um, because Sound of Music was over halfway through her acting career. Like this was on the back end of her acting career. And really, out of all the movies she'd been in, I hadn't, I didn't recognize a single one. They were all like old Hollywood movies. Mm. Um, after that, all the actors in the film are most well-known for their roles in The Sound of Music, so, like, all the children really haven't been in anything other than The Sound of Music, so I'm not really going to get into Interesting. Them. I wonder why they never took their careers off. I That's know. Probably... I'm like, I wonder if their experience on set was really good or not, you know? Because hmm. I can imagine it would be a much different... Because even, like, 20 years ago, being a child actor was, like, a bad game. It's probably really still stressful. bad now, yeah. so I'm like, I can only imagine... I remember watching this, like, well, not watching, I think I saw it online somewhere. There was this article, and when they made the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, mm -hmm. they, it was, like, really hard to do it because they had to take time out of every day in between shots for, like, kids to do their homework and go to yeah. school and stuff like that. I don't know if they had those same policies or rules at the time, um, but I bet, yeah, that'd be really hard and maybe made a bad influence on the kids if they had to miss school and yeah. stuff like that. Well, there's always been child labor laws when it comes to acting. That's why they'll cast, like, twins to play little kids because they can, like, double duty. So both kids can work however many hours a day. I think they actually did that with the Manny. Yeah. Know, there would be kids. Exactly. Wow. And so they – but I don't even know if those laws were, like, in place at the time or if the kids were, like, being overworked or whatever. So, yeah. Um, the movie is The Sound of Music – and it's based off of the Von Trapp family singers, who were a real family that lived in Austria in the 1930s. Captain Von Trapp had several children at the time of his first wife's death. Then he married Maria Kuchsera, I think is how you say it, who was 25 years his junior, which is kind of hey. not my favorite thing. And then they had three more children together. The, the family joined a singing group and toured until 1938 when Hitler annexed Austria, and then they fled to Italy um through the on the train actually what i've been lied to in the movies they're hiking through the mountains i know what there's a lot there's some historic differences so they took the train there because in the movie Hollywood. they make it sound like the the borders have already been closed in the movie but in real life they left and then like a week later they closed the they borders closed borders interesting so they fled to Italy and then to the Netherlands after that. They toured Europe and immigrated to America in 1939, where they eventually settled in Stowe, Vermont. And they continued touring for 20 years after the war and recorded and released several albums. One of which I listened to this week because it's just like traditional like folk music is all they sing. Like, the Von like, Trapp family? Yeah, choral mm. music and stuff. Because I had a, a discussion post due for my either intro or to music or my world music class this week that was like talk about out someone who had gone through something hard and so i was like the von trapp family <laughs> but yeah okay so and normally i would go through the synopsis of the film but the way i have my notes this time i just don't think 
that's necessary because it would just be a waste of time and repeat a lot of the same things. So I'm going to go on to the fun facts and the behind the scenes information. Okay, so the Von Trapp children and Christopher Plummer don't do their own singing in the movie, actually. I actually didn't know that because I was researching for this and I saw that they had some other... They had yeah. Christopher Plummer listed as Baron Von Trapp and they had some other dude. Bill Lee. Yeah. He did and I the, clicked on him and they were like, he did the singing. And I was like, He what? did the singing for it and he was like a background vocalist for Disney at the time. Huh. But like I was reading through his credits. I'm sure he's in lots of stuff, but he hadn't. he wasn't like ever a lead voice on anything. He just was one of their background vocalists that they picked to dub him. Which, he actually, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he sings one of his own songs. And they pretty much sound very similar. I watched a video where hmm. it was like the comparison of Christopher Plummer singing versus Bill Lee. And like the differences are very, very small. Hmm. So I don't really know why they did that. But other actors that were considered for the role of Captain Von Trapp included Sean Connery and Bing Crosby. Really? Like, the idea of Bing Crosby to me as Captain Von Trapp is just, I can't see it. Like, love love my guy Bing, but I just don't think it could have worked. Uh, Christopher Plummer was really not a fan of Captain Von Trapp's character. Um, he thought he lacked depth, and he actually really hated working with Julie, Julie Andrews, which I'm like, uh, anyways. Okay. He thought she was annoying during filming and would refer to her as Miss Disney while on set, which I think is so patronizing. I'm like, sorry she's more successful than you. Uh, he heavily ate and drank during filming to drown out his unhappiness, is what his Wikipedia page said. Like, And he gained enough weight from all that eating and drinking that they had to like alter his costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Later, he admitted that this behavior was immature and, in, and his feelings... That were, were that Andrews was a great actress, and the two became very great friends until his death. He passed away last year, I think. Nice. Uh, Julie Andrews claimed that Plummer's cynicism probably helped his performance and kept him from being too sentimental. Which I'm Honestly, like, yeah, it, good maybe for it her. would because like, I feel like that would help his acting because like, like he plays like this cynical, yeah, dude who's like, I'm never gonna fall in love again. Exactly, and like, and like, like I am a naval captain and I run this house like a ship. Exactly. Maybe that would help him. That's interesting. So, maybe it was helpful. They interviewed and auditioned over 200 children to cast the Von Trapp children, and Donnie and Marie Osmond were some of those that didn't make the cut. Hmm. I love the Osmonds. <laughs> it's very Utah of me, but I do. Um, Charmin Carr is the actress who played Liesl, and she was 22 at the time of filming. And she wrote in her autobiography that she was attracted to Christopher Plummer, who was 35, and who played her father. And then Plummer admitted that the feeling was mutual. Nice. <laughs> but insists that it didn't get beyond mere flirtation. And I go, mm, hmm. don't know if I care for that. Maybe. Don't know if that's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Julie Andrews would sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious to the children in the cast between shooting and Mary Poppins hadn't come out yet so they thought it was just this funny song that she made up <laughs> and they see it that's and then hilarious. they're like wait that's the song exactly but I thought that that's was awesome. kind of funny 16 going on 17 was shot in the gazebo and was one of the last shot scenes to be shot on the first take the actress who played Liesl Char Charmin Carr slipped while leaping across the branch and fell through a, a pane of glass 
And she wasn't super badly injured, but her ankle was hurt, and this scene had to be shot later with her leg wrapped and makeup covering the bandages. Wow. So, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of the research for this movie, William Wyler, which is one of the um, executives for the film, met with the real Maria Von Trapp and the mayor of Salzburg. Wyler was concerned that the local residents would be alarmed at seeing their buildings draped with Nazi flags again and seeing stormtroopers in the streets only 25 years after the real thing had taken place. Wow. Like, I think it's crazy. Like, we don't realize this was seriously 25 years. That would be like us. I mean, people have made movies about 9-11, I guess, but like... It would be like that for us. Yeah. But like, it actually, yeah. It would be crazy. But the mayor assured him that the residents had managed to live through the um, the occupation the first time and would survive it again. Other city officials were more resistant to the idea of decorating Salzburg with Nazi colors. They soon changed their minds when the filmmaker said they would, ne- they would just use newsreel footage instead. The footage was actually highly incriminating as it shows the Salzburgers openly welcoming the Nazis, something that they proposed, that the proposed scenes for the movie would not do. So they didn't want Salzburg to look bad because in the historic film, like they were all okay with it. So they changed their minds and let them put it up for filming. So they use it as like a threat? Like, hey, if you don't let us use it, we're just going to use a historic film that just... I don't get the vibe that they used it as a threat, but I can definitely see how it would be threatening. I feel like it would have like the look of a threat, but... Yeah, I don't think it doesn't feel like they meant it like that. Because they were just like, oh, we can just use this other like footage instead, and then they realized that that footage like, doesn't wait, make them look we good. Don't want so, yeah. After the Von Trapps fled Austria, their home was taken over by Heinrich Himmler, one of the key players of the Nazi Party, and Adolf Hitler personally visited Himmler there several times. So Hitler has been in the villa that the movie was filmed at. The real Maria von Trapp claimed that this movie toned down her behavior at, during her stay at the nunnery, the Nonberg Abbey. When asked in an interview if she really was that bad, she joked that she was worse. <laughs> so, Queen. Queen Maria. Uh, the song Edelweiss was written for the musical and is very little known in Austria, actually. The song was the last Oscar Hammerstein wrote before his death in August of 1960. So that's, I didn't realize he died that early. At the beginning of filming, Louisa was about three inches taller than Friedrich and he had to wear heel lifts to make him look taller. And then by the end of the shoot, um, Friedrich had grown six inches, five, three to five, nine. And (laughs) he often filmed in no shoes and Liesl had to stand on a box to make her look taller. All the voluntrap children were like growing a lot during filming so heel lifts and like camera tricks were really important to keep their heights steady huh i'm like can you imagine like i wonder if there's any scenes where you can notice that i was looking for them and i really couldn't see like they did a really good job that's funny the that real be super hard to film with kids because they're like growing they're exactly and if you're grow if you're doing it for six months especially more... like those kids that are in that like stage of puberty like six inches in six months that's crazy. That is crazy. I'm like, props to you guys, because you did a really good job. The real Maria Von Trapp said in interviews that she fell in love with the children and saw marrying the captain as a ways to just stay with the kids. And she nice. actually didn't really love the captain at first. And she said she only learned to love him over the years. So, 
Which is, like, also sad, but also kind of sweet. Yeah. I mean, at least they figured it out. At least yeah. it wasn't like she was completely unhappy. Yeah, but she just loved the children enough, you know? And she, it's not like she hated the captain, but... Yeah, I feel like he was at least a decent dude. Yeah. The United States Library of Congress selected this movie for res- preservation in the National Film Registry in 2001 for cultural significance. While the sound of music is practically unknown in Austria, because of the film's popularity, you can take a sound of music tour in Salzburg where you can see all the filming sites from the movies. From the movie. Have you ever been to Austria? I've been to Denmark. I've been to Denmark, too. I went to Austria, but I didn't go to Salzburg, and I want to go to Salzburg. That would, oh my gosh. Like, doing a Sound of Music tour, wouldn't your mom love that? Dude, she would weep. She I, would die. Your mom would ever, love that. If I ever make it rich, I will gift my mom that, a tour. That like, would be so would fun. Her and my grandma, they would they would probably die. I love that. I Because I get TikToks all the time of, like, people taking the Sound of Music tour, and it looks so fun. I'm like, that would be so great. And I think... If I'm remembering correctly, you can the the villa is now a hotel you can stay in. So that's kind of cool. That would be super fun. NBC did The Sound of Music live starring Carrie Underwood in 2013. Did you watch that? Nope, and I have no plans to. Yeah, it Don't was. You dare <laughs> disgrace the original. No offense. Carrie it, Underwood. So it was the as far as I can remember, it was the first like live musical because they've done that live. They did Grease live. They did, recently they did Little Mermaid live. And I remember watching Sound of Music live with my grandma and being like, this is so dumb. <laughs> like, they really just ruined this. Um, and then my last fact is, while the Von Trapp family hiked over the Alps to Switzerland in the movie, in reality they walked to the local train station and boarded the next train to Italy, like we talked about. If they would have walked over the mountains, they would have ended up in Germany because of where Salzburg Oof. is positioned or near Adolf Hitler's hunting lodge. So That's kind of funny. The way it's portrayed in the movie is very, very inaccurate. So. <laughs> but it makes for a really cinematic ending, so it's good. Okay, those are my fun facts about the movie, and now we can get into, like, song-by-song song chronological notes. Okay. The movie starts off with the iconic scene of Maria running through the hills of the Austrian Alps, and they, she sings The Sound of Music. Julie Andrews obviously has such a beautiful voice, and this just really starts the movie off right, I think. What are your thoughts? For sure. I, the amount of times I've heard my mom sing, the hills are alive, which I can't remember how it goes now, <laughs> but, um, like, she just loves that song and i think it i don't know i think it is a really good way because it's just like you see maria's personality she wants to be free she wants to be running in the hills she wants Mm -hmm. to have a good time like and then it goes to like the dark and dreary nunnery i think it's a really good um contrast and i think it is a good cinemagraphic touch i would agree they filmed this with helicopters, and it took, like, a million shots to take because the wind, the downdraft of the helicopter net kept knocking over Julie Andrews because they had to be so close to film it, right? Huh. Um, I love this song because I think it says a lot about Maria and her relationship with nature and with God because she obviously is very committed to serving the Lord. Like, you see that time and time again throughout the whole movie, but she really struggles to live the lifestyle of being a nun. 
And to me, this song kind of echoes something I really hold close to my own faith, and that's that you can find God in nature. And in the music she sings, I go to the hills when my heart is lonely. I know I will hear what I've heard before. My heart will be blessed with the sound of music, and I'll sing once more. And I just think the sentiment of the song is so sweet in that, like, God, to me, she's saying, God created all of this, and I have such joy in all of it. And it's awesome that that can exist while she can also, like, be a nun, you know? Like you said, the contrast between those two things can sometimes exist in harmony. Mm-hmm. Except, in this case, not really. Um, after that, we are taken to the Abbey, where Maria is nowhere to be found, and the nuns are discussing her wild behavior with Mother Abbess, and they all sing Maria, or How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. I really, really like this song, but I fully did not understand what it meant until, like, maybe a year ago. Because when I was growing up, I didn't really watch the movie a lot. I just heard the music. And so whenever they'd sing, how do you solve a problem like Maria, I thought they meant, like, how do you problem solve the way Maria would? And not that Maria is the actual problem. (laughs) No, yeah, I think you have to actually watch the movie to get that. Because, like, right before she's, like, late for something and, like, the nuns are, like, kind of trash-talking her. And then as they're trash-talking her, they're, like, saying she's always late. She, like, runs up, like, sees them, and then <laughs> the runs The way she just, like, shrugs. <laughs> she just, like, runs off and does something else, and then they start, they're like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Mm-hmm. I like that song a lot, too. I actually have it as my favorite. Really? Yeah. I really do enjoy this song. And this is the song that your mom and I talked about that one time, because your mom was my Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. back when I was, I don't know, 15, maybe? And we had a lesson about repentance one day, and she asked the class, like, what is penitence? And no, literally no one ever said anything in Sunday school. I felt like I had to raise my hand all the time. And I raised my hand, and I go, I don't know what penitence is, but I know in The Sound of Music they go, her penitence is real. <laughs> nice. And, I, you know, it made your mom smile, so I'm glad they make, could do that. That would make her smile. Um... I, but the whole concept of this song makes me laugh because, like you said, it's kind of like the nuns being like, oh, she's such a pain in the butt. Or, like, she's wonderful, but she sucks. Like, yeah. and it kind of feels like when you get those, like, hyper-religious people are like, oh, like, bless her heart, and then they just talk crap about her. And I don't think they mean it in that way, but it kind of is like that. Yeah, I think they're just, like, I get the vibe of, like, we've dealt with her for so long, and she's not gonna change. But, like, they're going to try their absolute hardest to help her, even though yeah. it's there. she's driving them nuts. Like, they're very, like, they're when they compliment her, they're genuinely complimenting her. Like, mm-hmm. they do really enjoy how, like, childlike and wonderful she is. But at the same time, they're, like, those same qualities. She can't live the way we live here. And yeah. they want to just help her figure out whatever she needs to figure out, which I think is really endearing. Um, and I don't know if you feel like this at all. But I feel like I can relate to Maria in some ways because I feel like, (laughs) and people have had conversations about this with me. Sometimes I feel like my parents like view me as a problem to be solved and it's like, oh, how do we like fix them? Like, you know, and I don't know. I feel like that could be a common like 20 something Utah experience because kind of when you're at this age and you're not getting married then people are like what do we do with them you know and so i feel very like at one with maria and that it's just like i'm a problem to be solved and it's kind of frustrating yeah i mean i think that everyone feels like that at some point in their life where 
they're like all of society is trying to fix them, but they don't want to be fixed necessarily or fixed by society's standards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that this movie does, musical does very well, is that it shows that you don't have to be fixed by a certain standard that's created around you. I mean, we all have our certain beliefs. We all know so to a certain degree what's right and wrong, but there's so much individualism that goes into everything. Um, and yeah, I think that everyone can relate to that message that even though um, it may be seen as a problem, that doesn't mean that there's only one solution exactly. to our problem. And that's, I think, the overarching theme of the movie is that like there's goodness to be found in so many decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. Because like, we'll get into that at the end, but near the end when she feels so guilty about going and marrying the captain as opposed to being a nun you know or like having these feelings for the captain and mother abbess has to be like no that's still like a very noble thing you know mm-hmm. like one path is not more noble than the other exactly which i love after that mother abbess brings maria in to tell her that she's going to be the governess for the captain with seven children and maria is simply distraught feeling guilty about like not knowing why she struggles so hard to follow the rules of the abbey and that's a large part of why I love Maria's character is because she's, like, so genuine. Like, she wants to serve God and she wants to do her best. And But just for some reason, like, being a nun is just not for her. It's just something she can't do. And so then Maria leaves the Abbey to go to the Von Trapp house. And running through the streets of Salzburg, she sings a song, Confidence. Do you have any thoughts on that song? No. Okay. Uh, I think the song is great. It's beautifully written. I can appreciate the sentiment of facing your fears head on and having confidence that you'll be able to navigate whatever the situation put ahead of you is. I think the like the music of it is beautiful, but beyond that, I don't really have much to say. We take a little break from musical numbers once Maria arrives in the house. She meets Captain Von Trapp and the seven children. Captain Von Trapp is incredibly intense with his children, and he's even assigned each of them a specific whistle pattern instead of calling them by name, um, and Maria is not having it from the get-go. The children have obviously experienced a pretty big loss and are grieving their mother, and because of the serious and unfeeling nature of their father's grief, they probably haven't had an opportunity to talk about it, and because of this, they're very cold towards Maria and all the other governesses they've had, and they play pranks on Maria, and Liesl even tells her she doesn't need a governess as Maria goes to her room, and they plant a frog in her pocket, so that's really a and warm. put a pine cone on her chair and they put a pine cone on her chair um when they put the pine cone on her chair at dinner that night uh she squeals obviously because she sat on a pine cone and captain von Trapp's like bro what's up and she's like she doesn't tattle on the kids which i think is really interesting and the sarc- and then like in the very sarcastic tone she thanks the kids for making her feel so welcomed <laughs> and kind and she like guilts the kids and then all the kids start like crying in front of captain von trapp and i think that moment really serves as a turning point in the relationship between the children and maria because the kids realize that like she's not gonna tattle on them but like maria's not gonna let them get away with things either Mm -hmm. and it kind of builds this bond of trust where it's like you know i'm not gonna tell you on your father but I'm going to treat you with love and respect, and I would expect the same from you. And I think that really changes the relationship dynamic. I think so, too. I think that she handles it very well. Um, she's kind of 
she kind of gives like cool mom. I don't know if cool mom is the right thing to cool say. Cool stepmom vibes. I know, yeah, I know <laughs> there's always like the stereotype of like go ask, like go to mom because dad will say no. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's the other way. Go to dad because mom will say no. Anyway, in my family, Depends. it's go to, in my family it's go to mom because dad will say no, and um, I feels like there's that kind of vibe where she's like, yeah, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rat you out straight up, but like. I'm gonna make you feel bad for what you did, and yeah, I think that it's—I think it's a really good way for her to get to the kids, and I think it—I like how the movie like it shows that discipline for kids is very important. Like, if she just let them run around and do whatever they wanted and not made them feel bad for it, they wouldn't have ever learned anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have just stayed these sour little kids for forever. But since she was like hey, this isn't okay, even when she did it in like kind of a fun way. It helped them learn, like, ah, you got to be serious you know, about stuff. like, this one's serious. And not like all the... She's not like the other governesses where they can just walk all over her and she'll quit. Like, she's very, like, I'm not going to quit because I... Like, she's stepping outside of her comfort zone to be here and, like, she's not just going to quit. Mm-hmm. But during dinner, Captain Von Trapp receives a telegram that is delivered by Liesel's little boy crush, <laughs> Rolf. And that's Rolf. when Liesel excuses herself from dinner so she can go meet with Rolf in secret. Um, Rolf and Liesel then sing the iconic song, 16 Going on 17. Do you have any thoughts about that song and scene? My mom would always skip this one when we watched it, actually. I don't really? know why, but she would. I think it was because we watched it when we were very young. I don't know if she just didn't want us to see like all the lovey dovey stuff, or that we we mostly because we were twelve year old, thirteen whatever year old boys, and we were like, oh. we don't care about this. We want to see them escape the Nazis and see all the guns at the end, and so we'd skip this song most of the time. That is so interesting. Yep. I would have never guessed that. This song's like, like the scene and the dance of it all is very good. I mean, I guess I could see why she might. I would love to talk to your mom about that, though. <laughs> it's, she would skip that one. And then there's the one that Maria and Liesel sing. Oh, at the end. Oh, my gosh. Then that's interesting. That kind of ties it why she would skip it. Hmm. I think she just kind of wanted to skip it on the whole, like, Ralph Liesel love story thing. I think so. Because the sentiment of the song is that, like, I'm a woman, and I need a man to tell me what to do, and I don't know anything. And then the song at the end is like, marriage is the greatest thing you can ever do, and, like, you're a girl. Except the one at the end is more like, you can be patient and wait a couple years before you run off and get married. But, like, it kind of reduces women to marriage. Which, I'm not saying that's why your mom skipped it, but... If so, that might be a noble effort. <laughs> Who knows? But I really love this song, and I think it's common for women, like I said, to have this socialized desire for, like, an older partner to, like, step in and take care of them. And But for me, it's not really to tell me what to do because I don't really... I don't really take that very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I have always liked the idea of someone that will keep me grounded because I think I get really high-strung and get wrapped up in things easily. Not sure if you've noticed... <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. But the dancing in the scene is really awesome, and Liesel's dress is so, so pretty. Like, I would love to be buried in that dress. 
After being out with Rolf, Liesl sneaks in through Maria's bedroom window while Maria is praying for all the children. And this part literally is so precious to me. And I will cry because Maria says, and now dear God about Liesl, help her to know that I'm her friend and help her to tell me what she's been up to. And that's while Liesl's <laughs> trying to escape the room. And I just think that's such a lovely moment between Liesl and Maria. Like truly Maria wants to be a friend and a comrade to the children and to Liesl specifically. And just because they need it and they haven't had anyone to like coach them through their grief. And then she says, as, as Liesl's going into the bathroom, she says, I told you today that I didn't need a governess, but maybe I do. And I just think that's so sweet that like, Maria genuinely like wants to help these kids and these kids just need to realize that she's not a bad guy, you know, mm -hmm. like she wants to be their friend and truly wants to help them. And then after that, one by one, all the children run into Maria's room because they're all frightened by the thunderstorm. Mm -hmm. And that's when Maria sings favorite things to the children. When Kurt runs in and while, she, while Maria was praying, she was naming all the kids by name and she forgot Kurt and she goes, and God bless the other one. And then, and then Kurt comes in and she goes, Kurt, that's it. God bless Kurt. <laughs> so I all the time I'll be scene. like, God bless Kurt. <laughs> I do remember that scene. Uh, iconic. Okay, do you have any thoughts about the song Favorite Things? It is a iconic song, I agree. It, uh, it gets sung a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, it's, people sing it as like a Christmas song, I think. That's my note right here. <laughs> yeah, it gets sung a lot as a Christmas song. I think it's a really good one with um, a really good principle behind it that you just think of your favorite things, you think of what you're grateful for, and it doesn't make you so sad. Yeah. Very it's like message. a good coping mechanism song, you know? Yeah. Like, if you get really anxious, it's like, there's this coping mechanism where you, like, tap your fingers or whatever, and you're supposed to think of, like, one thing you can see, two things you can, like, hear, something you can smell, like, that's kind of that thing, and that's kind of what I think of It's like... When you're really scared or stressed out or sad, you should just think of things that will like calm you down and make you happy. Yeah. When my brothers and I, when we were younger, we'd listen to the song, and for a while we thought that she was saying, when the dog bites, when the bee stings, and when she's feeling sad were her favorite things. And oh. we kind of like <laughs> listened to it in totality, and we were like, oh, oh when those things happen, then. Then I think of like, my favorite things. What kind of crazy things? lady likes when dogs bite? <laughs> when the bee stings. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, they always play this on the radio during Christmas, and I'm just going to declare it here and now that this is not a Christmas song. I don't think so either. I think it's just a good song overall. I've never really associated... Whenever I hear it at Christmas time, I get kind of upset because I'm like... Me too. This has no Christmassy vibes to it. Exactly. I'm like, like it's this... just... The only thing that makes it a Christmas song is they say, brown paper packages tied up with strings, so those are like gifts, okay. warm woolen mittens, snowflakes, silver white winters, and sleigh bells, which are all like Christmas things, but the I'd song say, is not about Christmas. If they'd sung it in like a Christmas If musical, there were jingle bells in the background, then maybe. If there were jingle bells in the background, if it was sung during a winter time, yeah. maybe, but like, again, I just don't think that it's very Christmassy. It's, it's just, just as Christmassy as the song You Can Fly from Peter Pan, because they're like, they think of the happiest things and one of those things is christmas so there you go like that's kind of the same vibe but that being said the song is gorgeous and the reprise after captain von trapp comes in and like kicks all the kids out when maria's like i am gonna stick to the man that's my favorite part because julie andrews has such an impeccable voice and she just does a really good job vocally in that part and i think the like power in that reprise of the song are just really wonderful 
Okay, the next day, Maria takes the children out to play around Salzburg because the captain is in Vienna on business. And at one point, Gretel drops a tomato and almost starts crying. And it just kind of shows how explosive the emotions can be in their house, I think. And, like, also, she's a little kid, of course. But, like, Maria just looks at her and wags her finger. And then Gretel's fine. And she realizes that there's no reason to cry. And that it's okay to, like, mess up and make mistakes, which I think is probably a sentiment that's, like, not really widespread in their house you know yeah um they're having a picnic lunch in the alps somewhere which is something i have actually done have did you go to the alps when you mm. I don't think so. put it on the bucket list because i so i went to switzerland in austria when i went to europe and i when we went to switzerland we took we were in like a little ski town when we went and we went like third week of july and there was still snow on the ground and we, like, took the ski lift up to the top, and they have this, like, little, like, cafe up there. But we went to the grocery store and got, like, chocolates and jams and bread and, like, took it up. And we had a little picnic in the Alps. And it was, like, one of the most magical moments of my life. But nice. this is when Maria and the children sing Do Re Mi, which is an American classic. Oh, I yeah. I do so myself. That is a good song. <laughs> Do Re Mi is obviously such a well-recognized song, and it's super fun to sing, and I also want to give a shout-out to this song for making solfege so much easier to learn. For those of you who don't know what solfege is, it's the, like, it's Do Re Mi, Fa So La. Those syllables, because learning that in relation to the pitches of solfege is difficult enough that if I weren't already familiar with the syllables of solfege, it would have been even harder. And in, like, high school choir, we spent at least, mm, 20 minutes a day singing in solfege which was really tough but do you have any thoughts about this song it goes hard they do like a lot of really cool harmonization and stuff like that i think it's just a very well written piece and it's just like taking such a basic principle of music just the do re mi fa so la ti do the notes there and just making a song out of it I think it just shows that music can be so simple yet so beautiful. Yes, very, very accessible for the little kids. And the, like, dancing they do around Salzburg with, like, the jumping on the steps and the walking around the fountain I think is so fun. And mm -hmm. I just think the scene itself was very well shot and choreographed. Yeah. And it's just fun to watch and sing along with. After that... Captain Von Trapp returns to the villa with Baroness and Max, and they receive a telegram from Rolf. And this is one of the first times in the movie that you can kind of start seeing the change of Austria into, like, Nazi Austria. Mm -hmm. And the captain is just not having any of it, which is honestly, like, <laughs> the internet, like, on TikTok. There are so many people on there that are like, Captain Von Trapp is so sexy. <laughs> and it's the scene of him ripping down the the flag and tearing it up and they're like that is the hottest thing <laughs> but they after they've been there for a minute and they kind of talk they the children come by canoeing on the lake before they eventually tip the canoe over yeah. which is what i imagine your guys's canoe wars were like at scout camp except it was the opposite because we tipped everybody else and we were mm. the dominant team dominant we won. won every time we talk about that a lot actually basically every time i get together with brock dj or seth we're like man remember that one time that we destroyed all those other kids <laughs> hearing you guys talk battle? about that like in the sacred meeting after scout camp i'd always be like I love Girls Camp, but that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. We felt, like, so prideful because we just, like, asserted our absolute Alpha Chad dominance exactly. over every other 14-year-old kid in that camp. <laughs> anyway, enough about my foibles on a canoe. 
But apparently Gretel, she, the actress who played Gretel, couldn't swim. So, like, the plan was that they would, like, knock the canoe over and she would tip off on the same side as Julie Andrews and Julie Andrews would, like, catch her. But the way it was shot, she fell to the other side. So she, like, almost drowned when they filmed this. But luckily, I think, I don't remember which kid got her, but she was okay. Thank goodness. Uh... Captain Von Trapp is really angry with Maria for letting his children play around Salzburg and for wearing play clothes and for, like, not looking like stand-up citizens, you know? And so he tells her that she needs to, like, basically pack her bags and go back to the Abbey until he walks into the villa because he hears his children singing The Sound of Music. And this scene, like, I made my sister watch it yesterday because it had me so, like, teary-eyed. Because on top of the, like, actual arrangement of the song being gorgeous, like, the, the harmonies and the, and the, what's the word I'm looking for? The high part is just so pretty. It's just so gorgeous. And you can see, if you watch the captain's face in that scene as he walks into the door frame, you can see, like, a very physical softening of his heart. And it's just, like, so tender to watch because the music is so powerful and it's, like, the music creates the first human connection he's had with his kids in so long, I feel like. Doesn't he, like, take the guitar from Marie and start playing? Not well? yet, no. He um, he walks in while the kids are singing, he starts to sing along. And it just makes me want to cry. And this makes Captain tell Maria to stay longer. And then after that... Um, then Baroness gets jelly. <laughs> not quite. Then we have the Lonely Goat Herd. <laughs> this song slaps. That song goes so <laughs> hard. This is like, growing up, this was my favorite part of the whole movie because I'm like, the marionettes when you're a little kid are so fun. And I just loved watching it. And I was, was like, I want a puppet theater like that. I'm like, where did, <laughs> where did they get it? You the know? frog and toad shows that we had to do in like second grade. No, so- I forgot we had to do those. <laughs> Um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts about Lonely Goat Herd? Relatable. Yeah, that's such a good song. I want to learn how to yodel so, so badly. My voice teacher was like, cause, so one time while I was warming up in a, in a, in a lesson, I yodeled on accident. Like I, out of my control, I yodeled. And my teacher was like, did you just yodel? And she was, I was like, I guess I did. She was like, I've never been able to do that. So now I'm like, I have this power that I can yodel with. So I'm going to teach myself to yodel. Nice. So I can sing this song. That would be a useful power, I think. I think yodeling is so cool. Like, we, when I went to Switzerland, we would hear people yodeling. And it was awesome. But after the puppet, the marionette show, Max tries to convince the Von Trapps to join a singing competition. And the captain won't because his children can't sing in public. And then Maria convinces the captain to sing a song. And he sings Edelweiss. How do you feel about Edelweiss? Um, I think it's a really good song that, is it Bill Lee is his name? Mm-hmm. Shows off his, or was it, what, what's the one song that Christopher Plummer sings himself? I think he sings Edelweiss during the competition. By himself? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think it really shows talent. Um, I think that it's, I don't know, it shows him like kind of open up, like it's his first like he, he transitions from no singing to singing with his kids to I'm gonna do a solo now mm-hmm. to show that like I'm more comfortable with this singing fun lifestyle that my children have adopted. 
So I think it shows his development as a character a lot. I would agree with that. Edelweiss is a song that, for some reason, I hold, like, very near and dear to my heart. Like I've said, like, a billion times. I went to Europe for a choir trip, and it was the summer after I had lost my grandma. And when my, my grandpa went on, or my grandpa, my uncle went on his mission to Germany. And after his mission, my grandparents went back to Germany with him, and they, like, toured around a little bit. And my grandma would always talk about the cows, the cows in the Alps that have the big cowbells on them. And she would always talk about how much she loved them. And so the whole time I was in Switzerland and in Austria, I was, like, looking for cows all the time because I was, like, just that was really holding me together. And the whole time – so, like, once we found them, I became, like, very fond of the Alps. And I was, like, this really is my happy place. And while I was there, I found this little music box that plays Edelweiss. No way. Yeah. And so now, anytime I listen to it, it reminds me of, like, that feeling of being there and hearing the bells and just feeling very close to my grandma. And it kind of turns me into, like, a weepy mess. But I, like, really do enjoy the song. So, following that, they host a party at the villa with all the hoity-toity Austrian and German people. And the captain invites his children to attend. And at the party, the children sing the iconic So Long Farewell. What do you think about the song? <laughs> I got chills when you said that. I love that song. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I have, my, I, have to, I have my answers here for like best group number and stuff like that. I'm about to change some of these now that we're talking about it. Um, it's so good i just i like seeing because it shows each kid i don't think you get a whole lot of the kids individually in the Mm -hmm. movie and i think that this is really like a you get kind of a shot in each of their personalities is like some of them are jokesters some of them are just kind of adorable Mm -hmm. some of them are like really try to be mature things like that and i think you just get a glimpse in each of the kids personal lives and how they are as an individual as well as like i think it's the most entertaining Mm mm-hmm Maybe short of the lonely goat herd. Yeah. But I think it's one of the most, if not the most, entertaining songs in yeah. the movie. Just because like it's fun to see what each kid does, and they have their little skit yeah. things they do, and it's very well choreographed. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I love this song. It's always like even I don't know. I pretty much speak in like musical, <laughs> musical language, so I'm always like adieu, adieu to you, and you, and you. <laughs> Whenever I leave anywhere, like, I use at least one of them. But I remember when I was in second grade, did you have Mrs. Hellowell as yep. your second grade teacher? Okay. So did you guys have to do the project where you were supposed to, like, teach a lesson to the class? Bruh, that was so long ago. That was, like, 20 <laughs> years ago. I can't remember. That was not, not 20, 20 years, years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago. Or, like, 15 years ago, probably. probably. Years yeah. Ago. Um, But we had to teach a lesson, and we got to pick what to teach about. So for my lesson, I chose to teach everyone, like, how to travel on an airplane. and how to. So I showed them, like, how to pack a suitcase and talked about, like, how to behave at the airport and on an airplane. But True service. Yeah. <laughs> there was a girl in my class who decided to teach us this song and the dance that goes with it. Nice. Um, and <laughs> honestly, like, icon behavior of her. And I remember she said, she was like, I get to be Liesl. And we were like, okay, you get to be Liesl. And then she assigned one of the boys in our class to be Captain Von Trapp so that she could say, I'd like to stay and drink my first champagne. Yes. And then he'd say, no. (laughs) And I was like, icon behavior. It's like, that is to me is such a core memory. And I don't know why it's so funny. I'll tell you their names after this because I'm not, I'm not about to name drop on the podcast, but you definitely know both of them. Awesome. Um, but after the children say goodbye, the Baroness, like, 
is like, oh, Maria, you should stay at the party. And then while they're up in Maria's room getting her, like, a dress to wear, the Baroness is like, I see oh. what the captain sees in you. And, like, is very, like, manipulative and well, yeah, I mean, it's mind-gamey kinda, with It's kind of obvious that, like, she, like, like the Baroness wants the captain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's for his money or for his power. It's because she thinks Christopher Plummer's hot or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but Maria's, like, she's not in it for that. She just likes the kids, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, like, the Baroness, I think even before that moment, gets really manipulative and is, like, tries to scare Maria off almost. And this is kind of where she gets her final blow of... Yeah. This is... Yeah. But because of that conversation, Maria kind of, like, starts to feel guilty that she's made the captain, like, look at her in any way. And she's very, like, ashamed in that way. So Maria decides to leave and pack her bags and head back to the Abbey. Yep. So. That's the end of part one. I remember that. Yeah, that's where the intermission happens. I love when a movie has an a movie musical has an actual intermission in it. I think it's so fun. We always have to get up and switch discs. <laughs> yeah. So she left to go back to the Abbey, and the captain is falling in love with her, and she's low key falling in love with the captain. And the next day, the children are out playing with the Baroness, and the energy is obviously, like, just so different from when they were there with Maria. Yeah. Max, the... like, tries to get them to sing a song. Yeah, and they're like, uh. And, like, Maria, or the Baroness, nor the children are having a good time at all. Like, they're all just not having it. And the Baroness tells Max that when she marries the captain, she's going to send the kids off to boarding school. And then the captain announces his engagement to the Baroness with the children, and they're not happy about it. They like all like half-heartedly hug They're her. Like, like oh, thanks, mother. Cool. But the children leave the house to go to the abbey, searching for Maria, and they find that Maria won't see them because she's been in solitude ever since she arrived back at the abbey because she felt so guilty about her feelings for the captain. So the children leave and have to go back, and then Mother Abbess asks to see Maria, and Maria is just like a ball of worry and guilt and shame about her feelings for the captain and how they reflect her reflect her long-term goal of becoming a nun mother abbas has to explain to her that being a nun and not being a nun like i said earlier and marrying and becoming a mother are equally noble causes and explaining that just because you're a nun doesn't mean you love you're not a nun doesn't mean you love god any less and that god won't love you any less and then mother abbas sings climb every mountain what do you think what do i think climb every mountain forward every river Ford every stream. Ford every stream. I knew it was stream. Why did I say river? Anyway, it's so good. It's like, I have it as my best solo performance. Mm. Um, I love that song. My mom quotes it all the time. My grandma quotes it all the time. My great-grandma would quote it before she died. Like, it's a very iconic song in our family. We had a saying, like, by the inch is a cinch, by the yard it's hard. Mm-hmm. And we kind of would tie that song into it where, like, you climb every mountain a step at a time, you ford every stream a step at a time. And it's just such, like, an iconic song of, like, overcoming your trials isn't, like, you don't want to be looking so far in the future that you lose focus of what you need to do today to overcome your trials. It's just such a banger. It's a banger of a song. Very good. Very philosophical. I'm going to do that now. (laughs) This is, like... This is going to be, like, the song my children get to hear from me. But, like, I agree, and I think it's so applicable to so many parts of life because we get caught up in what we should or shouldn't be comparing our past to others, and it's so detrimental to our own progress and growth. 
because we sometimes see other people like we feel like they can climb a mountain so much faster than we can or they're taking this path and versus we're taking this path and like which one's better and it's just about like either path is great you know and I love that Mother Abbess is so understanding and lovely to Maria about her feelings instead of shaming her for those feelings and she validates her and tells her it's okay to not be a nun because I feel like in a lot of circumstances she'd be like you're not going to be a nun you're a bad person but Mother Abbess is like nah it's not for everyone like you do what makes you happy also every year at SUU the choir sings climb every mountain at graduation because um the song of or the the way SUU was founded is that like the pioneers arrived and they needed to build like a institution for learning mm -hmm. and they like needed to get wood off the mountain and so the whole story is like it was winter was almost here and they had to go back up the mountain in the snow and bring down the 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 wood with this old horse that they anyways so now they're nice. very into the the mountain metaphor the mountain at SUU. Streams. So they, very nice. So the the choir always sings this. So I have sung this song in choir before, and it's and it's fun. But after that, Maria returns to the children, and they're obviously very happy. Fun fact: the dress. So before Maria goes in to visit Mother, Mother Abbess, Mother Abbess is visiting with a woman who's joining the the convent. And the dress that she's wearing is the dress that Maria wears when she goes back to the kids. Oh, no way. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I did not notice that detail. Yeah. So once Maria gets there, she hears that the captain and the baroness are engaged. And she's obviously, like, sad about it. But she's, like, just happy to be with the children. Mm -hmm. um, and then the baroness keeps seeing how the captain looks at Maria. And she decides to break off the engagement and tells the captain to, like, pursue Maria. And... She Go for the like, real queen. You know, do do what makes you happy. And then, like, immediately, he goes and pursues Maria and does it in, like, such a smooth fashion. Like, gentlemen take some notes from Captain Von Trapp in this. But, like, they go from her being like, congratulations on your engagement, to literally, like, macking. I'm like, girl, that is so much emotion to deal with in the span <laughs> of, like, four minutes. But the scene is, like, super romantic and sweet. And it just makes you, like, aw, you know? Um, and then the two of them, or, yeah, they sing Something Good, which I think is an interesting song. So do you have any thoughts about Something Good? I think my mom would always skip this one, too. She was just against romantic elements in movies when we were young. I don't I'm know what it's curious. about. I'm curious. That's very interesting. I think Something Good is... Or we just wouldn't listen because we were 12-year-old boys who didn't... <laughs> we thought girls were gross, so... Interesting. They're like, you gross. We, again, like, we would watch the movie and we'd only watch it for, like, the end when, like, the Nazis the try Nazis to connect them and they have their gun. Yeah. Well, and it's like they have, like, their guns and stuff and we're like, yeah, action. Car this chase. Is so cool. <laughs> like, we were, t were 12 year old boys that like Star Wars. Like, yeah. I don't know. And our mom would be like, watch this musical. And we're like, this sucks. And then the Nazis would pull out their guns and be like, yeah, guns. <laughs> so. But, yeah, I like this song. I'm, it's whatever. But immediately following this, the captain and Maria get married and leave for their honeymoon. So that's kind of cool. All I have to say is it's kind of funny and it's slightly upsetting that as Maria walks down the aisle, they're singing How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. <laughs> it's I don't just kind of ironic. Well, I think it's kind of like a closing to like she's gotten closure. She yeah. knows that she's supposed to be with the captain. She knows she's supposed to be with the kids. And like the problem of Maria has kind of been solved. I think it's kind of like in more of an up- because, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, it's sung upbeat. 
But mm-hmm. like at the end, it it's like triumphant. <laughs> yeah, it's like this triumphant march of like, oh my gosh, we solved the problem exactly. of Maria. We're here. We've made it. She's solved. She's, which I mean, maybe is like solving the problem was getting her married off. Which I mean, maybe in her case, in it was her, what it's needed possible. To I think if you take like a non-nuanced look at it, you're like, uh, she's just like marriage is the the solving of her problem. But like, no, the actual solving of her problem was like that she found herself and found her passion in life. And learn to love this big group of people that is full of problems and nuance and all these different things. Yeah. That, like, she fully, like, two months ago was so concerned about being able to do, you know? Yeah, for sure. I see a lot of uh, symbolism with the movie Cars, where uh, Lightning McQueen <laughs> gets lost and he, he stumbles a bunch upon a group of... Misfits. People? Cars? <laughs> cars. Other individuals. Characters. Who have their own problems and issues and they're very different from anything that he's dealt with in his life and then he tries to get away from him but eventually finds that that's where he's meant to be that's when so, you find yourself that's exactly what i was that's thinking when you, you find, find yourself. yourself that's such a good song. that song slaps i used to wake up to that song. well that... i'd wake up to behind the clouds and then i'd wake up to nice that song was like my anthem this summer because i was like i'm finding myself in washington <laughs> But while they're on their honeymoon, Max signs the children up for the Salzburg Music Festival competition. And also while they're gone, Austria is annexed by Germany and becomes a Nazi state. And when the captain comes home to find the Nazi flag hanging up, he tears it down. And like I said, the sexy king that he is, that's good. Once greeted by the children, Liesel talks to Maria about her boy problems with Rolf and becomes suddenly, and he's like, become very suddenly tied up into being a literal Nazi to care about Liesl. And I had this thought while I was watching the movie. I watched it twice, so I was watching it the second time. And I feel like Rolf is a really good, like, symbol of where Austria stands with the Nazis throughout the movie. Because at the beginning, he's like, eh, whatever, you know. But, like, as you get further and further into the movie, like, the second time you see Rolf, he's, like, piling Hitler, and you're like, that's weird. And then by this point, he's, like, full-fledged Nazi, like, cares way more about being a Nazi than literally anything else in his life. Yeah. Which I think is, it's interesting to see the progression of, like, these citizens, you know? I think it's very interesting. I think it kind of denotes the political and the brain, not, I don't know if brainwashing is the right word, but, like, the political moves that Hitler made in the time mm-hmm. to kind of make these young men like the propaganda, feel, yeah. Yeah, just feel so powerful. Like, they could leave everything else and all their problems would be solved by joining his cause. And that can be a really, like, hard... I see it a lot in the world today where companies are like, all your problems will be solved if you just Summer sales. Project. Exactly. <laughs> Summer sales especially. They're like, are you a struggling return you missionary? You could make literally $8 billion. Dollars. So much money <laughs> just doing this. I know you want to make so much money. You have so to be a literal slave. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it's, that's like, I don't know, that's kind of what Ralph does is he forgets what he really wants to go to this thing that like sounds like it'll, it's gonna be better. Yeah, that he thinks it's is like, going to solve all of his problems when it turns out to be one of the biggest scars in history. Mm-hmm. So, Mar- Liesl's obviously like very broken up about it and Maria just basically tells her that she should be more concerned with finding herself and she should be more impatient and enjoy the time she has with herself. And eventually everything will work out and she'll find someone that, like, she loves and loves her. And, yeah. And I just, the 
the reason I really like this part is it, like, again, shows the relationship between Lucille and Maria, which I think is very sweet. But after that, the captain receives a telegram that's summoning him to Germany, and that's kind of when it becomes apparent that unless he wants to become a Nazi, they're going to have to flee the country to be safe. And so the night of the festival... They try pushing their car out of the city so they can drive it to safety until they're caught by some Nazi officials who are worried that the captain's a flight risk because he is. And so instead, they head to the music festival to perform in the competition. Um, it's decided that after they're set, they will escape um, and flee to the hills because at this point in the story, the borders have been shut down, even though that wasn't true in real life. And so then they sing in the competition and they sing Sound of Music, Edelweiss, and So Long Farewell. And then they have them leave the stage and they're, all the judges are corroborating and they announce that the Von Trapps are the winners and they keep like... Then there's the soldier, they're gone! They're gone! <laughs> they keep flashing for them to come out and they don't come out and then a Nazi soldier comes out and says, they're gone! And so then it's like ultimate like car chase scene like da -da 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 <laughs> of them like looking for them and the Von Trapps are running and they hide in the abbey mm -hmm. and the nuns are concealing them in is it called the the crypt what is the i mean it's a graveyard i would say it's crypt sounds pretty. yeah so they hide them in there and they lock them behind this like secluded area that the, only the nuns have access to and so they're hiding behind these giant tombstones and the nazis run in and they're being really mean to the nuns might i say i mean i wouldn't put it past a nazi to be mean but they come in and they're looking for I have several comments on the sequence when you're done. Oh, you go ahead. Jump in. <laughs> I love this part of the movie so much. This is your because bread and butter. <laughs> because of the nuns. <laughs> yes, I, me too. I have in my notes here, Chris, best actor, Christopher Plummer or the nuns. <laughs> the nuns. The nuns collectively as a whole are like this sassy bunch of grandmas mm -hmm. who are just like, I don't care who you are. Like they're <laughs> exactly. like, open this war or open this door, woman, open this door. And she's like. She's like, one she's minute, like, very like, slowly. Unlocking it, so... And then she, like... The second she gets, like, a little bit of room, they all, like, barge past her. <laughs> and, like, they just are, like, not helpful at all, the Nazis. And, I know. But they're, like... They're just, like... They, like, very act so... Peaceful. They act, like, so respectful, but they're, like, we're sassing you. We're not letting you know our exactly. friends Exactly. My favorite scene, whole movie. Mother, I have sinned. <laughs> they have Mother, the I parts. have sinned, too. Tell me, sisters, what is this sin? And they hold out the car parts, and it's, oh man, just because of them like, trying to turn on the turn cars. Turn on the cars. Never have I related to something more in my no, life. No, that part is so good. But they, so they're hiding behind the tombstones, and the Nazis are like looking for them, and they can't quite see them until all the Nazis leave except Rolf stays, because he feels like something's, something's fishy. And so once Captain Von Trapps thinks everyone's gone, he like gets up from behind the thing, and they come and they they get up from behind the tombstone and they come out just to find and they like walk through the gate and then Rolf is there and this is like an iconic scene that I feel like people reference a lot but Rolf decides to be a little butthead and blow the whistle on them and then the Nazis all come and like chase after them and like you said they go to get in their cars, and the nuns mess with the cars so they don't drive. Mm -hmm. And so, luckily, that means that the family was able to escape, 
and they walked over the hills, which I'm like, if this was real, can you imagine well, walking like, think, through the Alps? Well, they show they show this shot at the end of the movie, and it's this like massive Mountains. panoramic view of like the Swiss Alps or something. They and act like they just did it overnight. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. A, not in those shoes. Yeah. B, not in those clothes. C, without food, all without those food, kids. Without water, exactly. I've hiked a hike with a kid. They're nothing but like moaning the whole time dude they would <laughs> not have escaped it's so a lot but it's like i think it's a really cool like again like looking at it from a cinema point of view of like it's showing the freedom like it's this big panoramic shot like they're free they made it yay mm-hmm. happy ending but then it leaves you a little bit of a cliffhanger because like they don't actually make it to safety they are just in the mountains yeah that they shouldn't be in because it would be an impossible hike but <laughs> but but they're there but they're there but that is the end of the movie, and honestly, well, it's a really cinematic ending. Very, very nice. Do you have any additional thoughts about the movie as a whole? Um, it was an iconic part of my childhood, just because I've probably watched it six or seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my family has this list of Sunday appropriate movies, quote unquote, <laughs> nice that we watch. And the I could probably list all of them to you. I want to hear it them. Is all of the Veggie Tales. Oh. Um, the Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. The Davy Crockett movie. Surprisingly, I've never I thought seen this is a very interesting choice. I would recommend it. I like it. Um, Swiss Family Robinson. That's a good movie. I think that's pretty much it. We just rotated between like Sound of Music, Swiss Family Robinson, and Davy Crockett. Um, I don't know. It was just like, so it was one that we would watch often and I don't know. It's just been like, I, I don't know. Cause we always, we always hated it when it was Sound of Music Week because like we're boys. We want to watch Davy Crockett shoot some friggin' people at the Alamo or you just got to get watch, through two hours watch, of the movie and then yeah, you can watch, watch the action. Watch Family Robinson like must get some boys off a cliff. Like, yeah. It was a, but it was a good movie, I think, to balance that so that we weren't all, we got some culture in us yeah. as young men, and I good. think it was good that my mother made us sit through that because she's a very wise woman, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of good lessons to learn from the movie, and I think that the music is very good. I think the acting is very good. Um, I just think it's a really good movie overall. I'm really glad you picked this one because this is one of those movies that like. I love, and I think it's very, like, wildly loved in the, like, community of people who enjoy musicals, mm-hmm. but I hadn't watched it in, in a while, and I was really grateful for the opportunity to rewatch it with, like, an older, wiser pair of eyes, because I was able to, like, especially in watching these movies critically, I feel like I've been able to, like, read so much more into them and find so much meaning in them, because, like, before I would have just, like, watched these songs and been like, oh, that's nice. But now that I'm kind of, like, looking into the deeper meaning of what, like, the emotions that they're trying to communicate, it's, like, so powerful and meaningful. And so I'm really, I'm really thankful that you chose this one, because I probably wouldn't have watched it in, in any future if you wouldn't have. And talking about this has made me kind of go, want to go watch more musicals, or at least movies with deeper meaning, because a lot of the movies that we get today, like Marvel, Star Wars, like... They're cool, good action movies and stuff, but there's like no... some of them have some deeper meaning. But in I feel general, like, but especially with like Marvel movies, it feels like their deeper meaning is just some kind of political agenda they're trying to push on you. I, can I mean, see that. even if you agree with it or not, like it's kind of like 
here we're gonna like our moral stint like this moral lesson we're trying to teach you is this political agenda that's yeah. today whereas like the sound of music and things like that it has to do with like finding yourself personal growth becoming okay with who you are overcoming yeah loving other people for who they are and just like as a broad concept that fixes so many of those micro topics that are discussed today in popular culture and i think that more of those movies in my life could be beneficial rather than just picking out these little micro lessons that it seems like popular culture wants us to learn i could agree with that Okay, so now we have made it to the, what I like to call the Tony Awards section. <laughs> the Tony Awards. The Tony Awards, which are awards in the theater world. Nice. So, who did you select as your best actor? I think I've already given most of these answers. Best actor I have is Christopher Plummer. Um, I didn't know a little factoid about him being all like drunk and cynical and stuff yeah. all the time. But again, I feel like that enhances character. Yeah. I think he just did a really good job of playing this character of i'm this stoic man who i'm a navy captain and i'm a man my jawline is square and my children (laughs) are also going to be in line into like this i am emotional i am caring i love my wife i love my kids i love my family i'm going to help them escape even if it means putting my own life on the line i just think that christopher Plummer does a great job of bringing all of that to life or again, the nuns, because they just freaking rock and they're so funny. <laughs> yeah. I think Christopher Plummer did a great job with the character development. because, And I'm curious to see how the character would have been played differently if it was a different actor. Because I think Christopher Plummer added a lot to the character. Mm-hmm. For me, I just had to go classically. I picked Julie Andrews as my favorite because... She was, she was the runner-up after the nuns. She is awesome. And she just has a beautiful voice, which is probably what i most mainly look for in my choices but what is your best solo number climb every mountain i think it's honestly like one of the only solo numbers in the movie there's like i was trying to think of all the other ones and i don't really know three because there's that one climb every mountain edelweiss even edelweiss is technically a duet because liesel joins in true my choice even... is the sound of music at the beginning. Oh, okay. That, there's that one, too. So, that one's a solo. I but... just, like, yeah, Climb Every Mountain was just such an impactful song to me as a person and as a kid, like, growing up, having my mom quote it to me so much, so... I agree with that. That's why I had to pick it. Um, the live version has... So, Audra McDonald is the woman who plays Mother Abbess in the live version, and she is, like, on Broadway now, and she was in... Did you see the live-action Beauty and the Beast? With Emma Watson? Yeah. Frick, yeah, I did. So she, that, Audrey McDonald plays the... The old, like, tea lady? The no, teacup? The teacup mother, Mrs. Potts? No. Mrs. Potts, thank <laughs> She you. plays the, um, the armoire, the, the dresser. Oh, okay. Oh, so, dang. But, so, I would recommend going and listening to the Audrey McDonald version of this song, because she does a yeah. really impeccable job. Okay, so what is your best small group number? Or duet, I guess. So Long, Farewell, the one the kids sing. It's such an entertaining number. It's fun. I just love seeing the kids perform. I think they're really talented. And, yeah, it was fire. Fire fire number. Fire number. I picked Edelweiss because I just have emotional attachment to it, and I think it's very sweet. And I think it's fun to see the connection between Liesl and her father. So, what is your best large group number? 
So this answer may be slightly complicated, but it's Maria. But you have to combine the one they sing at the beginning and the one when she's getting married. Oh, I respect that. Because I was, like I was saying before, I think it's such a good contrast between, like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Like, it's And then this, she goes, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Yeah, and then it's like this massive fanfare, like, mm-hmm. we The instrumentation her. is incredible. She's, she's there. Yeah, the like, contrast. it's so, it's a really powerful, like, showing her journey. I would agree with Very that. Very good. Good choice. That's a good choice. Thank you. I picked The Lonely Goat Herd because I think... The, song also fire. The puppets are really, really fun, and I like the yodeling in the music. Okay, yeah. what is your best dance number? I don't know if this one counts, but I picked the Lonely Goat Herd for this one. Yeah, that because does count. Of, because of the puppeting. That's choreographed, so I'm going to say yes. I'm assuming they didn't actually, I mean, you look at, they alternate between like... Them. <laughs> it's probably like, not them actually marionetting, but... <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, is because the way they're doing it, I'm like, there's... They just do the same no thing over and over like, again. Like, no way. There's and no way so, those children can... I, If I was given a marionette today, there's no way I could figure it out, so... Yeah, I choreographed super good. I think it's super cool that they added that into the movie, mm-hmm. and just very well done overall. It's funny, because at church today, people are like, in, mu- in movie musicals, they just add in these random this musical numbers that have no meaning, and I'm like, it's because they're fun, <laughs> okay? Like, this song, yeah, would the story be the same without it, pretty much? Is it awesome? absolutely yeah. <laughs> like this is the one part that me and my brothers would always be like this goes hard high on the hill is a lonely goat okay my best dance number is do re mi just because i think the shots of salzburg are really cool and i think the way they like go throughout the town is really cool so okay then if you could play one role christopher palmer why he's freaking hot are you kidding me <laughs> Or Ralph, who's the actress for Lisa Lawson, really hot. We're just one of the boy kids, because they're just like, they're ballers. Friedrich. Friedrich Kurt? is cool. God bless Kurt. <laughs> God bless Kurt, indeed. I'd play Kurt, because God would bless me. Yeah. I think at this point in my life, I would want to be one of the nuns. I think I'd want to be Mother Abbess. Straight I think that would be a cool... Wisdom. A cool thing. And her song is cool, and they get to like be cool and have fun. Change my answer, Max. I'd be Max. You'd he's be a Max Detweiler. He's a pimp, dude. Are you kidding me? I love that guy. No, Max is so lukewarm. He bugs me. I love that. He's funny. He's like the funny uncle with yeah. the mustache, which yeah. I have, that tries. Anyway, he's Max cool. Detweiler, right here. Okay. Well, that is our episode. Would you like to plug anything? Do you care to say anything about where to find you or anything? You can say no. I'll probably eventually have a Spotify after I write enough music. I yeah. do do music production. If you want to do, if you have a song you want to write, um, if, I don't. Is there a way to get in contact with you? Yeah, so just get in contact, contact me. with her, and then I can get in contact with you. Um, I'm kind of trying to start up a small production business. Um, like Ali said, we're using my hardware to record this, so I do have hardware. I have access to software as well. I can help you make music if you don't know how yourself. So yeah, hit him up because his stuff is really cool. So. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at at Ali S. Pierce. 
If you go to the link in my bio, you can apply to be a guest on the podcast because I'd love to have you on. Please share, like, rate, review, whatever to get the podcast out there. I love doing this for you guys and I hope you have an amazing week.